Hi, I'm Avery Davidson. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, the only TV show bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together every week. My partner, Kristen Oaks-White, has the week off, and that's because this week we're bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together with the candidates running to live in this house. This is the governor's mansion in Baton Rouge. Currently, Governor John Bell Edwards has been the resident for the past four years, but there are two others vying for the position and wanting to live in this house, Congressman Ralph Abraham and businessman Eddie Rasponi. We're going to interview all of the candidates and let you see where they stand on the issues. We're going to start with the incumbent, John Bell Edwards. Now, he grew up in Ameet on a dairy farm and went on to serve in the military as an airborne ranger. In 2007, he was elected to the House of Representatives here in the state of Louisiana until he was elected governor and started living here. Governor, I appreciate you taking the time to meet with us here on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. First, let's go back four years. What made you decide that you wanted to run for governor, and let's bring it forward four years and say, actually it was more than four yeah. years ago, because I remember seeing your video in 2013. Yeah. No, so two full years before the election, I had made the decision and, and really started working um, to, to make sure that we would be successful in that campaign. And there were a lot of reasons, but principal among them was the disinvestment that I had seen in higher education. Uh, in the eight years before I became governor, we cut higher education more than any other state in the nation and raised tuition more than any other state in the nation. Uh, and that along with some bad budgeting practices, the, the perpetual deficits that we saw year after year, and the devastating impact of those cuts that often weren't just felt at the beginning of the fiscal year, but mid-year budget cuts, uh, led me to believe that there was a much better way forward. So I decided to run for governor. But with respect to higher education, uh, those cuts had a disproportionate adverse impact on our ag centers because they don't have students and so tuition dollars don't flow to the ag centers either at LSU or at Southern. Uh, and that was adversely impacting their entire operations around the state of Louisiana, including uh, research that, that needed to be done. Um, and, and so it was a, imperative to me that we stabilize support for higher education immediately, which we were able to do when I came into office, but then turn the corner and actually start investing more over time as we are able to do uh, that. And we actually did that this year with the first net new investment in general fund uh, in higher education in Louisiana uh, in a decade. Uh, and this has been particularly beneficial uh, to the Ag Centers for the reasons that I just mentioned. So that's that's why I ran uh, principally, but there were, there were a lot of reasons um, and, and, you know, it's borne out, I believe, in, in the fact that we are doing so much better in Louisiana today on just about every front relative to where we were uh, four years ago. Uh, but that, that higher education, uh, along with just the general bad budgeting practices and the instability, the, the deficit after deficit after deficit, just led me to believe there was a better way and, and that I should offer myself uh, for public services governor. I'm glad I did. It's been a challenging but very rewarding four years and I think the best is ahead of us. I'm excited about the next four years. Well, with that excitement, what made you decide to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it again? Is, yeah. Was it that the work wasn't finished or you still have a, better, a, a vision going well, on? Well, you know, the work is never finished. There's always more that you can do. And, and look, even though we are much better off, uh, the size of our economy is the largest it has ever been, growing at faster 
rate than the national average. This, this amount of personal income, the highest in our history, growing at more than the national average. Unemployment, the lowest in almost 12 years. We led the nation in decline in unemployment over the last 12 months. Uh, debt, we're, we, we're paying off our debt uh, so that it's decreasing for the first time since 2008. So many reasons why we're doing much better off, but we still have challenges. Um, the educational outcomes are not what we want them to be. We still have work to do on healthcare outcomes, although we're doing much, much better. In fact, just last week, it was announced that we have an 8% uninsured rate, by far the lowest in our history, and actually lower than the national average. Now, when is the last time the state of Louisiana was a leading state when it came to uh, the rate of people who had health insurance, the percentage of people with health insurance? It's never happened before. But there are still challenges out there, and, and I believe we have a lot of momentum. The state was deep in the ditch when I became governor. We're on the road now, and we're on the road to a brighter future, uh, but elections have consequences. And, and if we elect people with the same uh, failed policies and philosophical views that caused us to go into the ditch to begin with, all the progress that we made uh, will be lost. And so I am committed to continuing the progress, to continue to address uh, challenges that face the state of Louisiana, and certainly a second term, uh, therefore, is in order because, because we need more time to do that. Facing challenges is what farmers, ranchers, and their children do every day. You have an ag background yourself, growing up in Tangipahoe Parish. Tell me a little bit about your your dairy farm experience. Yeah, well, so I grew up uh, in Amy, uh, in northern Tangipahoe Parish. My dad owned a dairy farm. Uh, we, we ran the dairy farm, but I also worked uh, at some of the uh, produce farms in, in the area during the summer. Uh, and worked really, really hard at that, and th those days were hot. But, but it just gave me a real appreciation for a good, honest day's work, uh, but also the quality of life that you get when, when you're in the agricultural uh, arena, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's dairying and, 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 or, or produce farms or whatever. Uh, and it really helped to shape me in terms of work ethic, but also, again, my appreciation for what farmers go through because you, it is tough. I mean, you, you got to deal with commodity prices, you got to deal with the prices of all the inputs, uh, you got to deal with the weather, and you don't have much control over any of those things. Uh, and so, so it, it's, it really is a, a tough but great way to live, and it's an honest uh, way to live, and, and it does so much good. I mean, $11 billion. Uh, is the economic impact of agriculture in the state of Louisiana. I mean, just think about that. That, that is absolutely huge, uh, what they contribute. But, but they contribute at least as much to the quality of life, uh, the way of life that we have enjoyed here in Louisiana uh, for hundreds of years. And, and, uh, and that's why I'm, I'm so proud to associate myself with the agricultural uh, folks across the state of Louisiana. Did that way of life and work ethic translate into what you did in the military? Did that apply there? Well, yeah. So, you know, it's not so hard to be at first formation at 6 o'clock in the morning if you used to be at the dairy barn at 4 o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, so so you just, you, you do learn about discipline. You, you learn to make sure that you develop that work ethic that you're going to be successful. And by the way, uh, not just in military life, but, but you know, I get started early as governor too. Uh, and we work late uh, because it, it has been a challenging uh, almost four years now, uh, but it's also been a very good four years. But that, that, that uh, background, uh, being, being reared the way that I was uh, in Tashbo Parish, uh, Louisiana, uh, I think has helped me in many, many ways. You mentioned about the challenges over the past four years, budget 
being one of the major ones. During that time, some folks were looking at agricultural exemptions mm -hmm. when it comes to sales taxes on feed, yeah. seed, fertilizer, and other inputs. You worked to help protect those. Tell me a little bit about how much of a challenge that was and your plans for those exemptions in the future. Well, first of all, just to put it in perspective, the, the budget deficit for the first full year after I became governor was more than $2 billion by far the largest in our state's history. And that, that was a really, really tough time. We did everything we could to enact meaningful cuts, real cuts, to find real savings. Uh, but quite frankly, um, that budget deficit was about three times what we believed it to be in terms of the structural budget deficit of the state of Louisiana. And, and so then you had to work with legislative leaders, Republicans and Democrats, urban and rural, to try to figure out what are we going to do to solve this problem so that we don't continue to cut higher education, for example, that we were talking about a while ago, so that we can fund our TOPS program. Um, but one of the things that I ruled out uh, immediately, and I did this in conversations with, with farmers and ranchers all over the state of Louisiana, uh, but also working with the Commissioner of Agriculture, uh, we were not going to remove or reduce the exemptions on sales tax, for example, with respect to feed, seed, fertilizer, th those inputs. Um, and we didn't. Um, I think there was one uh, relatively small component that was inadvertently hit and nobody realized it was going to happen. And then the very next special session, we, we fixed that. Um, so that demonstrates my commitment, I believe, to agriculture in Louisiana and trying to make sure that it is sustainable, that it is profitable, uh, because if you can go through the worst budget deficit in the history and successfully address it without putting those exemptions on the table, uh, then, then I don't think there's anything else that, that anyone could say or do that would demonstrate a, a stronger commitment uh, to the folks involved in agriculture in the state of Louisiana than what we've already done. Um, and, and another thing that we did, as you know, is is we went over the state of Louisiana on ag tours. We went to every corner of the state, whether it was ranchers, um, uh, farmers, uh, timber uh, interests, whatever. We, we went out and had those meetings, and, and that sort of ratified in my mind that we had taken the right approach because all over the state of Louisiana, people were thanking us for resolving that, that budget deficit without uh, reducing or eliminating those exemptions that are so important. One of the things I remember on that tour that people brought up were roads, bridges. Yeah. Ag haulers are being uh, adversely affected by high insurance costs as well. What are you going to do in the next four years to help out, especially with ag haulers and yeah. be it logging trucks yeah. uh, or folks who are hauling grain to and from the, the elevators? Yeah. Well, first of all, as you remember, one of the things we heard was in rural Louisiana, there are a lot of bridges uh, that have. Uh, posted weight limits that are below what they need to haul in order to, to be efficient in the way that they move uh, things in and out of commerce. And, and so we are, we've already identified, working with Sean Wilson, the Secretary of Transportation, we've identified more than $90 million that over the next three years uh, will be brought to bear on rural bridges across Louisiana above and beyond the normal highway priority program. Uh, $50 million of that came from the bill this year. Uh, where we're going to bond out the BP payments and, and, and 50 million will go to bridges. But we had, uh, I'm sorry, 40 million. Mm -hmm. We had already identified 54 million uh, at the Department of Transportation that was going to go there. And then with the recently announced surplus from last week, uh, we know that there will be additional dollars as well 
uh, that we'll, we'll be able to put into bridges all over Louisiana to address that problem because that was probably the most recurring concern that was aired to me and, and to the commissioner on that tour around the state of Louisiana. And now with respect to insurance rates, we are going to, and I, and I had a conversation uh, with Buck Manderstein about this just the other day, by the way, um, at the uh, uh, Louisiana Forestry Association. We're going to convene a task force, uh, a small group, to come up with those things that can be agreed upon uh, to see whether we can have a, an impact. Mm -hmm. On the on the automobile side, um, you know, there's actually been some positive movement. Mm -hmm. State Farm has reduced rates three times in the last year. Um, several other large carriers ha have done it as well, uh, but it doesn't seem to work into um, the other arena where, you know, mm -hmm. for example, the 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 folks who were hauling logs um, and 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 so forth. Um, and so we're going to have to figure out what we can do to impact that market as well. Um, and, and I'm committed to doing that. And, and, I, and I know there are some things that can be agreed upon. One of, the, one of the challenges we had this past session, there was an omnibus bill that contained about five different ideas. Well, I think about two of those could have been done. The, uh, there was enough opposition to the other three that the entire bill fizzled out. But we can pull those things out that we can agree upon and go ahead and get those enacted. And I also believe that we can do a better job in Louisiana regulating insurance uh, carriers uh, so that we can have a positive impact on premiums as well. Uh, and so, so it needs to be a holistic approach. Um, and, and I'm committed to doing that and, and making sure that we can move forward. The other thing we're going to do is make sure that there's more economic opportunity too. So, so we're working really hard, for example, to bring additional sawmills mm -hmm. uh, into Louisiana. Um, and, and I can't announce anything today, but, but we believe we're really close on some major positive announcements in Louisiana that would be very helpful uh, because it would be more business for the same people that are, that are going through such a difficult time right now. That kind of leads into the, the second to last question yeah. I have for you, which is what are your plans for agriculture over the next four years? I mean, obviously, attracting more value add, yeah. like you're talking about with the timber industry, would be a big deal. Yeah, so there, there are some things that we are doing right now that are going to prove to be very beneficial. So a chambering yard in West Baton Rouge so that we can get long uh, trains in there um, so that they can haul grain, um, for example, to Dreyfus but also to make sure that we can haul the, uh, the product uh, here to um, Drax mm -hmm. and, and, and make sure that, that we are uh, continuing to harvest timber uh, in Morehouse Parish, for example, making the wood pellets and bringing them down for, for export, uh, working to make sure we have more cold storage capacity at the port in New Orleans uh, so that the poultry um, uh, operations can grow in order to meet the demand that we actually have the limiting factor right now is our ability to to uh, uh, store things in, in with cold storage and, and be able to freeze uh, the, these the the chicken uh, before we we export it. Continuing to work to make sure that we are investing in research so that we stay ahead of the game. You know that's been so critically important uh, to our success over uh, the generations, and and it's a very short-sighted approach when you cut. Uh, research, uh, because we know that there are fewer farmers feeding more people every single day, and so we have to be better at it. Um, we're going to continue to work to 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 press uh, to make sure that the um, the tariff situation gets resolved just as soon as it possibly can, because that is having an imp 
adverse impact upon farmers, especially grain growers, because the market that they're used to having in certain places just isn't there right now uh, the way that it used to be, especially with respect to China and, and soybeans. And so I have personally met with uh, President Trump and sent him a letter encouraging him to, to be successful. And we're all counting on successful resolution to these trade uh, disputes but to do it as soon as possible so that stability in the world markets would return uh, and our markets would return and, and we would have uh, the ability to, to export. Uh, continuing to, to make sure that we're promoting our products uh, around the world, whether it's Mexico or Cuba, or wherever we go, uh, because we, I think we grow the best uh, uh, pr uh, farm, farm products anywhere in the world. And, and we really do in Louisiana, to a very large degree, feed the world especially when you look at the fact that 60% of the grain exported from the United States is exported through our ports. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that is uh, absolutely important that we continue to do that. And when we dredge to 50 feet all the way to Baton Rouge, mm -hmm. we will get to about 75% of all grains exported from the United States will come through Louisiana. Uh, so I think all of that uh, benefits farmers uh, here uh, because they'll have more market for their, for their product. Uh, so we're going to continue to work uh, with with the folks at LSU and Southern to, for research, work with the, the various stakeholders all around the, the state, Farm Bureau, and the Commissioner of Agriculture, uh, so that we are good partners uh, in promoting this industry that means so much to our state. I mentioned it earlier, I think, $11 billion. Uh, and so it, it is, you know, you hear it all the time, this industry is the backbone of the, what it, agriculture really is, the backbone of Louisiana when it comes to our economy, and we have to make sure, and our way of life, and we have to promote it. Very positive, very uh, affirmative on the outlook. On TV, we've seen from uh, some of the packs some negative ads against mm -hmm. everybody. So I, I wanted to ask you, what could you say positive about the other two candidates in this well, race? Well, look, first of all, in today's um, age, with all of the silliness that comes across social media and, and the nastiness that comes uh, when you run for office, just to have people who are willing to put themselves uh, in the race and subject themselves to, to, to all of that, I, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a positive thing. Um, and, and, uh, and I commend both uh, Eddie Responi and Ralph Abraham uh, for doing that. Obviously, I have very fundamental disagreements with, with their specific policy prescriptions. I, I think they would take us back uh, to four years ago um, because they sound an awful lot like Governor Jindal, which I believe l left our state in a terrible, terrible place. But those are policy disagreements. They don't, they don't have to be personal disagreements, and, and they're not. And, you know, and, and I just appreciate them for, for offering themselves to, to public service, and, and, uh, and I think that that does speak about uh, well of them in terms of what, what they would like uh, to, to see our state move forward. Um, I just think that their specific policy prescriptions would have the opposite impact on the state and would actually cause us to move backwards. Well, Governor Edwards, thank you yeah. so much for your time today and for bringing chickens back to the governor's we mansion. Got, we got them here and I get about 12 eggs a day. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Republican Congressman Ralph Abraham of Louisiana's 5th District has a lot of titles aside from being congressman. He's also been a veterinary doctor, a medical doctor, a pilot, and now he wants to add one more title, governor. 
Congressman Abraham, thank you for taking Thanks a little time off me. the uh, campaign trail to Absolutely. meet with us. Tell me a little bit about what made you decide after so many years as a congressman, you know what, I want to run for governor of Louisiana. I'm looking at our state and I certainly know where we can be, but we're not. We are 50th out of 50 in everything that's important. Uh, we are the only state in the nation that has lost jobs. People are, are taking home less money than they used to. So that's why I'm running is to bring jobs back, get Louisiana in the winning column. Did it give you a little bit different perspective being in DC, being on the outside of the state, sometimes looking in? I know uh, that you're, you're still here, you're still in yeah. the district, you're still working with your people here and you have your boots on the ground, but obviously getting a different perspective from outside can kind of change things. Does that have way into your decision well, at all? Probably so, but when I see other states that have far less than we have excel where we should be excelling, yeah, it does put a different uh, perspective on, on our state. And unfortunately, it's not a good one. We can be so much better. How do you think we can be better? Look, we've got to get jobs back. I've always said good jobs solve a lot of our problems, and that's where we're going to go. We are going to incentivize these businesses to come, stay, work, build, hire. Our tax structure, our tax rates, they're too high, they're too complicated, they're too many. So we're going to reduce taxes, and we're going to work on this infrastructure. Look, in the rural community where a lot of my constituents are, where I live when I do come home from D.C., roads and bridges are terrible. Anywhere you go in the state, they're crumbling. It floods when it rains. Traffic's at a standstill. And not only can people not move, but commerce cannot move. Talking about commerce, let's look at your background. Obviously, mm -hmm. your perspective is maybe a little bit different than some others because you have such a deep ag background. Tell me a little bit about where you came up, your involvement mm -hmm. in agriculture over the years. I grew up on literally the same piece of property that I live now. And Diane and I have raised our children and certainly our grandchildren come over and spend time with us and we're very grateful for that. I've been honored as a Louisianan to serve uh, this great state as a soldier, a farmer, a pilot, a veterinarian, and a medical doctor. And certainly that veterinary degree, working on those large animals, going out to those farms, going out to those ranches, I know, but a lot of people don't know, how hard of a life that is and how hard it is to make a living at it. You're still involved in farming. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about what... Uh, your son-in-law and, mm -hmm. and you grow, still grow? Look, on the farm this year, we have cotton. We had corn last year, we've had soybeans. So we rotate those crops and it depends on the market. Farming is tough right now. We understand the, um, the margins are very small, production costs are still very high. People tend to think that uh, farmers have a easy life. They don't. It's very difficult and it's very stressful. What kind of perspective does that give you when you go and sit on the Ag Committee, but also that you would bring into the governor's mansion if elected? Well, on the federal level, I bring that experience. I, I have farmed. I have grown those crops. I've ridden those tractors, and I've rode those combines. So I know the terrain, and I know the arena. And that's, an, that's a good perspective, but it's a unique perspective when you're sitting on the Agricultural Committee of the United States Cong Congress. A lot of them have no clue what actually goes on in a farming operation. 
coming back on the state level, it's the same. Uh, you know, I bring that uh, different look as to when you look out on the field, when you look out on a herd of cattle, uh, everybody sees what they think they see, but it's underneath that business sense, that business acumen, that, that wisdom, and certainly that uh, having the wherewithal to be able to finance that operation, I know it's tough. Talking about the finances, I know over the past few years with the budget crisis we've had here in the state, mm -hmm. lots of folks were looking at exemptions when it comes to sales taxes. Farmers and folks involved in agriculture still have some of those very important yes. tax exemptions on feed, seed, fertilizer, and inputs. As governor, what would you do whenever it comes to those exemptions? Well, that goes back to incentivizing our businesses to stay in Louisiana. We are hemorrhaging people. We are losing businesses every day. So we do have to give them those tax incentives to, again, try to make a dollar. And if they make a dollar, try to hold on to the dollar. Right now in Louisiana, we're the worst economy in the nation. And that's hard to do. I'm going to change that. How important to you as a farmer are those exemptions? What, what, what difference would that make in you being able to be involved in agriculture? Well, critical because we know, and I certainly know, that if those exemptions are not in place, well, that piece of equipment, that particular seed, whatever it is that we buy as agricultural people, we'd have to take maybe a second and even a third look at it, and then we may not even buy at all. So it makes a huge difference is when you put in pencil to paper predicting, if you can, the future as to whether you can feed your family. So we've got to maintain those exemptions in place. Like any business in Louisiana, we've got to incentivize. You talked about putting pencil to paper. It's really tough to pencil out when it comes to trucking for some of our agricultural it's products. You've got everything, every kind of agricultural product we grow in Louisiana right. in your district. What kind of difficulties are some of the people seeing with, with hauling logs to the mill, mm -hmm. uh, keeping trucking companies afloat? Well, they're not only having major difficulty in headwinds, they are going out of business. Uh, it's this legal climate that we deal with. We see the billboards and we know that if we don't get tort reform right, in this stage, which I will fix as your next governor, then they're gonna to continue to leave. They're gonna to continue to move to Mississippi, move to Texas. They're gonna do anything they have to survive, but it's not gonna be in Louisiana. So again, we lose good people and we lose good jobs. It's gotta be fixed. If you can draw the bridge for me between tort reform and trucking companies hey, being able to stay in business. Well, let's look. We've got some of the highest insurance rates in the nation. And that's because of our legal climate. We have a jury threshold that is highest in the nation. We have what we call double recovery, which allows payments to be made to two entities. And you have these, it just goes on, you have phantom medical charges. You have all these things that stymie and literally suffocate businesses. Not, they don't have that in other states. That's why other states are thriving and we're dead last. What plans, you brought this up a little bit, do you have when it comes to rural infrastructure? You brought up about the bridges, yes. roads, and let's also talk about rural broadband. What can we do on the state level and how would you fund that? Look, we know that our infrastructure, roads, bridges, they are our circulatory system. If you can't get fuel, if you can't get ancillary services to those business sites, the businesses are not coming. 
we have the money. We don't have a revenue problem in Louisiana. We have a spending problem and we have a leadership problem. We've got to prioritize, we've got to be efficient, and we've got to be smart with our money. We've got a transportation trust fund that has no accountability. It's like a piggy bank that the DOTD just dipped its hand in. That's taxpayer money. I want that brought before the legislature where they will have to be accountable. What areas will you specifically go for first when it comes to rural infrastructure? Roads and bridges, but to your point, to your earlier question, if we don't bring in that four and now we need 5G on that internet, we're way behind the curve because without that, businesses cannot work. We live in a global economy now. It's just not a national economy. And if we can't compete as we should be able to in Louisiana, then we are pushed out of the way. We have some good programs on the federal level, but it's got to come down to the state level. And as your next governor, that again will be top priority. When you go back to Washington and you go around your district, you, I know you, you see the issues I with do. roads, bridges. Yeah. When, once they're posted, grain can't cross That's right. that yeah. bridge. You run into problems there. Has your perspective changed at all touring other parts of the state and seeing the problems there outside of your district? Well, it's everywhere. I mean, I've seen projects that have been stopped midstream that have had some funding but this particular governor, because he has the one, the line item veto, didn't like a particular representative in that area and just marks it out. That is unethical, it's immoral, it's just wrong. Won't happen with me. If elected, over mm -hmm. the next four years, we talked about your rural plan. Well, let's talk about specifically agriculture. Yeah. What would you like to see happen agriculturally now that industrial hemp is a viable crop for the state? now that you know we're seeing some movement with China, them yeah. buying more grain as of today, uh, what would be your plans for agriculture over the next four years? We in Louisiana, we've got the ports, we've got the waterways, we've got the unique culture, we've got the men and women in the agricultural sector that actually how, know how to get that crop to that port. So we need to be global, just like our LNG is going overseas now. Everything that we grow, in Louisiana, we need to have a global market for. And if we don't get there, then that is a travesty that uh, we should never let happen. And how would you make sure that happens? We've got to incentivize those businesses. Look, we've got to make sure that those tax exemptions stay in place. We've got to make sure that we have that infrastructure. We have to make sure that we get this tort reform under in, a, in the right light, where not only are, we know the trial attorneys suing our oil and gas out of business, but now, if we parlay it to the car insurance, they're suing everybody out of business. The only people making money in this state right now are trial lawyers. That's got to stop. Let me get to this final question. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're running against uh, a few other people, yeah. but only two major right. uh, opponents in this race in uh, Brisponi and Governor Edwards. Mm -hmm. Tell me something, a positive quality about each of them, because I know that we see so many attack ads on TV, especially from some of the super PACs. <laughs> let's get away from the nastiness and let's see what, what common ground we have here. Well, I, I think uh, Mr. Spony is probably a good businessman. He's got a big company, so we'll, you know, I'll certainly say he's a good businessman until I'm no different. Uh, the governor, he, you know, he's, I think he truly believes in what he 
wants as far as bigger government, but that is a huge difference between he and I. I want more money in my constituents and Louisianians' pocket. He wants more money in state government, and that's just a dichotomy that we will never get together with. Well, I'm glad that you took the time to get together with us, Congressman Abraham. All right, thank you for having me. We have reached out to the campaign of Eddie Rispone and have yet to hear anything back from them as far as getting an interview. But we want to make sure that you still know this candidate in case you want to give him your vote. Eddie Rispone made his career in construction. He and his brother Jerry founded ISC Constructors back in 1989. They grew that business to an approximate $350 million annual impact, employing more than 3,000 families. Now, Eddie Rispone has mostly self-funded his campaign and continues to make major media buys. And there are a lot of folks who really say that having a businessman lead the state would be a good thing. Now, if you want to see all of these interviews, obviously on the time that we have for the TV program, we couldn't fit everything in, so we had to edit them down a little bit. But if you want to see the full interviews, go to our website at twilighttv.org or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find these interviews posted on Facebook and Twitter. We might have a few pictures on Instagram as well. For all of us here at This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, thank you and please go out and vote. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with a friend. You can also support this podcast by completing a short survey on our website at twilighttv.org slash podcasts. We would also really appreciate it if you would leave us a review wherever you're listening right now, be that Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.